0: On a scale of 1 to 10, how fearful are you? Go ahead. If you're able and willing, let us know in the chat right now. On the scale of 1 to 10, 1 being not very afraid and 10 being terrified, how fearful are you? All of us walk through life with occasional fear. And it's not always a bad thing, is it? Fear is a byproduct of our ability to think about what might happen in the future. And fear can and does protect us from harm. It is an emotion that is really needed. However, living with too much fear can cause us to be self-absorbed, distracted, overly protective. But the good, good news is this. You don't have to be afraid even when there's something to be afraid of in the moment. Today we find ourselves in part five of our series, Who's in Charge? Now, if you missed any parts, please go to our app, YouTube channel, or on our website to catch up with our messages in this series. We have looked at what Jesus has said. The things that come from inside of us, from our hearts, have the power to defile us because they put us in unhealthy conflict with other people. And when we are in unhealthy conflict with other people, we find ourselves in conflict with God. Jesus said, nothing outside of the person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of the person that defiles them. So we looked at the importance to monitor, to process, to understand to understand who we are at the core of our being. To monitor not just our behavior, but our hearts. Because when we don't, our emotions can take charge and lead us into conflict. So we looked at guilt, envy, anger. And today I want us to look at a very impo- important emotion of fear. And Jesus spoke so much about fear. None of us want fear or worry or anxiety to take charge of us, do we? None of us want that. Fear, when not processed, has a powerful ability to rob us of opportunities. has a powerful ability to rob us and interfere with our relationships. It impacts our parenting. It keeps us up at night. Fear is most often triggered by the perceived threat and harm to us. But this also has a good function, right? Let's be honest. It keeps us safe from things that can harm us. It creates the ability to be wise and cautious. Fear, like all emotions, does have its place. For example, we're able to collect information and knowledge and to project what the future will be based on what we know about a situation, a person, a place, or thing. Collecting information and passing it down allows us to also hope and dream for what can happen in the future based on that information, based on that knowledge and wisdom that we have learned and that has been passed down to us. Fear is a byproduct of our ability to think about about what might happen in the future and it can protect us from harm. So sometimes fear is really a good thing, but it can also be a dangerous emotion when it takes charge of us. And when it does, it has the power of robbing us of possibilities. Living with too much fear can cause us to be self-absorbed, distracted, and overly protective. And Jesus says so much about fear. Maybe most things he says is about fear. One of the principles that Jesus constantly addressed, taught, and reminded his disciples That is his students, is that they should not be afraid. And this sounds great, right? But if we're really honest, not being afraid is virtually impossible, isn't it? And you can see that the disciples wanted to believe that, but had a hard time understanding how to do this. And really, just like us, asked a really good question Jesus, how is this possible? Jesus not only taught, but demonstrated the things he was teaching, helping the disciples and us to learn how to embrace new humanity and how to live in the way of Jesus without fear. Now, one of the most famous stories of Jesus addressing fear is found in Matthew 8, where after a long day of teaching, Jesus and his disciples head out onto the Sea of Galilee. And we read, Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. You remember the story, right? Suddenly, a furious storm came up. So the waves were sweeping over the boat. If you have ever, ever been caught in the storm on the lake or the river, it is scary. Now, a few summers ago, we were at our usual summer visit, visiting Jessica's parents at the cabin. And like always, we took the boat to go boating and giving kids tube rides or fishing or swimming off the boat or all the things at once. It was always fun. We had friends visiting and they were from BC and uh, we had them on the tube and we wanted them to enjoy the lake. And they don't normally get to experience this kind of thing. They're from Vancouver, so they don't enjoy the same kind of rides. And we wanted to show them this is what Saskatchewan lake life is really all about. Now, in the distance, we saw some dark clouds. And they were dark and whatever, and we thought maybe rain was coming, which is so common in Saskatchewan. On a hot day, storm shows up, it shows up, it passes by, we go on. So we were kind of keeping an eye on it. It's in the distance. And we actually even thought, you know what, the way it's going, maybe it'll just miss us and we'll be fine. We'll just keep going. We don't want to stop this day. And it was a really nice day. And the previous day was kind of cold. So we didn't want to miss out on this adventure of tubing with our friends. What happened next could have easily been a movie. It seemed to happen so fast. And so many things at the same time, it was really unbelievable. And first of all, the storm showed up out of nowhere. Like, So it was far, and now it's over us. And now it's raining, and flashes of lightning, and wind, and thunder. It's just powerful, and it's happening. At the same time, the tube that I'm dragging pops. Now, this is an expensive three-seater tube that never popped before. Now, with this crazy storm, out of nowhere, everything pops. This is an expensive three-seater tube that never popped before. Now, with this rain, with the storm, with the waves, with the thunder, it pops. Now, I'm racing the boat back to shore to get us back home. And now I have to consider and figure out in my head, okay, do I uh, do I slow down? Do I stop so I pull the tube in? Uh, or do I keep going? What's the safest? What's the best option? What is my? What should I do next? Now, did I mention that the tube is attached to a metal pole in the middle of the boat? That's right, a metal pole. Just in that moment, as I'm deciding what to do, lightning hits right to the shore next to us, like so close, like you could feel it, the sizzle. And I'll tell you, if you're not a praying person, if you're like, oh, I don't pray, that's not my thing, fine. In that moment, you are praying. I will tell you, this moment is not a Pinterest moment. There's no slick back hair, showing my muscles flexing as I'm driving home to safety. No, this is a terrible moment. It's a moment of panic, of fear, uh, we're ter- of terror, of terror. Um, wet, soaked, you can't hear anything because the waves are slapping and the thunder is going. You can't even think. This, my friends, is exactly the, th- the scene that Matthew is describing. The disciples are familiar to boats. They're familiar with fishing and seas and lakes and water. They know storms. They know what to expect. They are not unexperienced boat people. Bunch of them are fishermen. They know what storms are like. So when they say, suddenly... They know this was sudden. When they say furious storm, they are saying, this is not a regular typical storm. This is scary storm. This is, I can't hear myself think storm. And look at the detail that Matthew stresses. In the midst of this chaotic, scary, waves crashing storm, Matthew tells us, but Jesus was sleeping. So I, I don't know what's going on really here, if I'm honest. I'm guessing he's maybe faking it. I, I don't know. I have no proof for that. Maybe. Maybe he's like, he's so good at object lessons. Like he wants to teach people through object lessons. Maybe he's just pretending. I don't know. We have, I have no proof for this. So we have to trust the text that the disciples in the moment thought he was sleeping. I don't get it, but that's the moment. And so we read on. We we see in this passage that uh, the disciples went and woke him up saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. They are screaming as one does. In this kind of situation, Lord, save us just like I was. And Jesus, in that moment of this panic, in this moment of fear, says, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Okay, so for those of us who read the Bible or have heard this, we read this often from the comfort of our home or church, where we, wherever we read it or heard it, we kind of know what's coming. We kind of know what Jesus is going to do. But let's be honest. Is this seriously a question that you, that anyone asks in the middle of the storm? Why are you afraid? You of little faith, really? I will tell you. When I was in that storm, driving that boat, uh, that boat back home, I was afraid, and I was praying. And my prayer was, "Jesus save us! Jesus save us! Jesus save my kids! Protect my kids!" Why would Jesus ask this question? I think this hyperbole in this question, is because Jesus is teaching his students about fear. Look what he says next. Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. So first of all, in the midst of this exchange, Jesus didn't even get up to this point. Like he's still reclining as he's talking to them. And then he gets up and he speaks to the wind and to the, and to the waves. It's amazing to know that when we are afraid, when we are panicked, God is not. Jesus is showing us that in that moment of fear, normal fear, fear that you should have, because your knowledge and experience and information that has been passed down to you says being in a boat with a metal pole in the storm is a bad idea. So when it happens, you should be afraid, you should be trying to leave, but in that moment. God is not panicked. He is in control. This is what Jesus wants us and the disciples to see. So then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. Jesus got up and rebuked nature, and it was completely calm. We are rightly amazed at this miracle. This is amazing. And the disciples rightly ask a very good question. The men, we read, were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. What kind of man is this? Even nature obeys him. They ask the question with complete fear and terror. Not at the storm anymore. No, they've survived that. But at what Jesus had showed them. They asked the question with complete fear and terror. Not at the storm now, not at that. They just survived that, but at what Jesus showed them. Check this out. And Mark, and I love reading Mark and compare it to Matthew's story because he records this as well. And Mark gets his information right from eyewitness Peter. And he writes it a little bit different, but it's so good. He says, They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey Him. They were terrified. Another translation puts it, they feared a great fear. They feared a great fear of what they witnessed Jesus do. Please don't miss this. The intense furious storm that they feared earlier was nothing in comparison to witnessing Jesus' comet. What kind of man is this? This is such a powerful lesson. Look what Jesus just showed us. You don't have to be overpowered by fear because there's someone more powerful than that fear. They fear a great fear. They saw something overpower their powerful fear. There is someone more capable, more powerful than fear. And now that Jesus has shown this reality, when they get back, when they get going again, In their regular activities, Jesus doesn't abandon this teaching. He addresses his disciples again and again about it. He says, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Don't be afraid of anything or anyone that can kill you, but cannot kill your soul. Look what Jesus is addressing here. He's saying, there is more to you than meets the eye. There is more to you than meets the eye. Rather, if you're going to be afraid of something, like if you're going to have fear, fear the one who controls all things. Fear of the great fear. You know, who is this man that even nature obeys him? Don't miss Jesus' language here. There is more going on than preserving safety. Now, it is good to be safe, but there is more. What Jesus is teaching is not to be reckless, not to be careless with our safety, or only focus on the soul. If that was the case, Jesus wouldn't come as a material body, as a fully human person. No, what he's teaching is there's more to you, there's more to me, there's more to us than meets the eye. And when we are afraid, God is not. When our emotions want to take charge, we lean into the fact that God is in charge. Jesus goes on, and are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Kind of weird question because I have no idea, but apparently they were sold for, uh, for a penny back then. So, okay, Jesus, that's fine. Two sparrows are sold for a penny. He goes on, yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of the Father's care. Not one of them will die outside of God's care. This is so powerful. These worthless sparrows are important to God. They're important to him because he created nature. He said it was good. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows, Jesus teaches. Look what Jesus is teaching as he goes on and on in these teachings. Don't you know that God cares about all the details of your life? So don't be afraid. You're worth so much more. You are so valuable. Jesus is showing us that God is a personal God. He knows you. He knows what's going on. He knows what you're facing. He knows your pain. He knows you. This is why he entered into suffering. Because he's not petty. He's not removed. He's not small. He's so big that his close disciples ask him, what man is this? And because of that, you can trust him because he cares. Look what happens a little bit later. Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. So a little bit of context. Since that storm in the boat that they experienced, The disciples have now witnessed miracles, miracles of feeding. And Jesus tells the disciples to get into the boat. We need to see the really strong language here. Jesus isn't saying, hey, let's go for a ride. I'll meet you there. He made them. He forces them to get in. Even though they are fishermen, even though they're experienced people with boats, after that storm experience, the language here is he makes them. He makes them get in because they remember. And when they do finally get in, time goes by. And then we read this. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost. They cried out in fear. And this is, by the way, how we know this is true. That the disciples uh, who witnessed these moments do not exclude the embarrassing stories about them failing. When they kept being afraid, even though Jesus kept teaching them not to be. They don't hide these details. They say, yep, that's us. Clueless and confused. They were afraid. They were terrified because what they witnessed was extraordinary. And this is so reassuring for me. Even though the disciples kept failing and they failed right till the end. They ran away when the Messiah, who was going to destroy the Roman rule in their minds, but it was instead crucified, And they were so afraid of that moment, they ran off. They were terrified and and ran to save themselves from death. But the resurrection of Jesus made sense of the boat ride, made sense of walking on water, made sense of all the miracles, and made sense of the value they have in God's sight. All the fears they had were put aside after the resurrection. And these men and these women, they entered the square in Jerusalem they were now willing to die because their fear were no longer in charge of them in comparison to wanting to have life in and through jesus they were not afraid of those who, who kill the body because they witnessed god die and come back to life who is this man that even nature listens to him that even death Cannot hold him. When they witness the resurrection, they place their fear in the right place. They place their fear in God. Fear is part of our existence in humanity. This will be part of us because it it has a positive side to protect us, to guard us. Fear will be with us, but fear should not be in charge of us because we follow the one who has overcome nature. So that we could have life so that we could know how deeply loved we are in all circumstances. So what? Fear has a way of paralyzing us and taking our focus of Jesus. Jesus invites us to trust him. He is bigger than the, any obstacle ahead of us, behind us, above us, before us. He invites us to cast our fears on him. I want to invite you into something today. If you have never invited Jesus to take charge of your life, to enter your life, would you let us know today? Would you let us know now in the chat? And someone will be with you shortly. Would you click? Would you type? Would you notify us that you would like to commit your life to Jesus and one of our staff will be with you? Or maybe you'd like to recommit your life. Maybe you've been filled with fear and and terror and, and worry. Maybe you'd like to recommit your life to Jesus. We would love to journey with you in this decision. And look at Peter. And we read this in Matthew 14. We continue the reading of the story. And, we, and Peter sees Jesus walking on water. And he wants to walk on water too. And he asks Jesus, can I join you? And Jesus says, sure, join me. He says, don't be afraid, come. And he does. But then he's overcome with fear again. And he sinks. And Jesus reaches his hand and he saves him. Peter, who kept failing like this. Peter, who then, despite witnessing all the things that he saw Jesus do. Peter, who is such a failure as we keep reading and reading. Peter, after the resurrection, writes these words for us. Cast all your anxiety on Jesus because he cares for you. Peter, who was so easily overcome by fear, after the resurrection, gets the point and tells us to cast our fears on Jesus. Why? Because Jesus cares for us. All of those lessons, all of the time in the boat, on water, at the cross, at the empty tomb, all of that was to let us know that we can place all our fears on Jesus because He loves us and cares for us. Today, if you're afraid, could we pray for you? Would you let us know in the chat would you let us know and someone will pray with you? Someone will be with you momentarily. Another tab will open and you could talk to the person and they can pray with you. Would you say out loud with me, fear, you are not in charge of me. Even when there's something to be afraid of, fear, you're not in charge of me because Jesus is with me. He is with you and he's with us. So let us summarize a little bit of what we learned today. Fear is a normal emotion. Because it does protect us and guard us from danger. We need to take it seriously. We need to listen to good advice, whether medical, social, relational, we need to heed good advice. But fear will not paralyze us because there is more to life than we see. And our God is bigger than any obstacle ahead of us. And because of that, let's cast all our fears. On him. Fear, you are not in charge of me. Today, we're going to partake in a communion. In just a few minutes, Pastor Eldon and Bev will lead us in this beautiful remembering. Remembering what, what man is this, that even nature listens to him, and that this man, this Jesus, is willing to suffer so that we may have life to the fullest. As we enter this moment of communion, Let us prepare our hearts. As the music team leads us, let's focus and place our fears on Jesus.